a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Utah's source for exclusive access and insights behind the news. Here's the opinion page editor of the Deseret News, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Welcome back, everyone, to Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Great to be with you today. I am Boyd Matheson, and uh, we're continuing to follow all the events that are taking place in Washington, D.C. Uh, currently, the uh, minority leader in the House of Re- Representatives, Kevin McCarthy, is speaking on the House floor. And again, I think we've got about 45 minutes. It was two hours allocated, equally divided between the two parties uh, on the House floor before they will call a vote on the article of impeachment. And we'll continue to watch that and uh, see how that uh, continues to roll. Again, I uh, I applaud the members on both sides who are taking a reasonable, rational approach in terms of getting to the right questions and the right process. Because remember, the process that is followed here will become the precedent uh, for future actions uh, by the House as it relates to a president of the United States of either political party. Uh, and that all matters. Uh, really pleased now to be joined by our good friend and independent pollster, Scott Rasmussen, uh, joining us from Florida today. Scott, how are you? Well, I'm sort of amazed at all that's going on, Boyd. Uh, you know, I, I barely got time to be thankful that uh, 2020 was behind us, and then we had the events of last Wednesday and now an impeachment uh, debate. And uh 2021 hasn't gotten off to a great start. Yeah, I uh, I saw a far side cartoon that had uh, people jumping out of the burning on fire that was 2020, uh, <laughs> bouncing off of the fireman's uh, net and landing in the burning building that is 2021. So I think that might be <laughs> but, the uh, the model. <laughs> you know, it, it's true, but uh, you know, I, I I tend to be an optimist, and uh, these are difficult times. Some you know to 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 find why you should be optimistic when you read about some of the things that happened in the Capitol last week, and and really uh, the fact that two elections in a row we've had. Well, I would say that a majority of voters believe that at least one of the last two presidential elections was uh, the winner was declared illegitimately. So that's a real problem for our for our nation. Uh, on the other hand, you know, six out of 10 voters in a poll I conducted last weekend said that the people who uh, occupied the Capitol should be considered terrorists. And, you know, that's a really strong term. They're, they're recognizing that uh, something was out of order on this and that there's this is a serious issue. And uh, a similar number uh, believe the president of the United States was involved in encouraging those terrorists. That's a troubling number. Uh, But also most people recognize that the actions of a few uh, don't represent the views and beliefs of most Trump supporters. It's a little bit like last summer, uh, you know, when there were uh, violent portions of protest in the Black Lives uh, Matter movement, 
uh, people recognized that there were legitimate grievances to be addressed and that most of the people involved wanted to to address them in a reasonable manner. But there are always some troublemakers in a large crowd. Yeah, that's right. And uh, I think that's, I think that is an, another important thing for us to all recognize is uh, that uh, we often let the, the very loud uh, or the bad actors uh, taint our perception of, of everything and really carry the conversation or even shape the conversation that we're having as a country, which often prevents us from having the real conversation, the important conversation we need to be having on, on a host of things. Uh, and uh, as you often do, Scott, you, you looked back at history in terms of uh, how do we do that? How do we allow those who do want to have the right conversation about serious grievances or serious issues that need to be addressed? Uh, how do we actually go about that? You know, that's a that's a very difficult question to answer. I'd like to say there's a 12-step recovery program <laughs> that would automatically work for us. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, we first we first have to recognize these divides are really deep within our communities. Um, a, a stat that I, I noted and put into my column, uh, Deseret.com, uh, is that we asked about Bible-believing Christians, and it turns out that 48% of them think of the president played a significant role in encouraging those who occupied the Capitol. Forty percent do not. And that uh, that brought me back to Lincoln's second inaugural address, uh, a moment when the country was just finishing up a bitter civil war. Uh, one of the few times in history I can safely say that the country is more divided than it is today. And uh, Lincoln offered some great uh, perspective on this. He he noted that both sides in the Civil War read the same Bible and pray to the same God, and each invokes God's aid against the other. Uh, you know, and, and we have a little bit of that sense today. Both sides in this political divide think that they're the righteous ones. And um, Lincoln said, you know, you can't really do that. You have to acknowledge that, um, that this is a problem that has been building for a very long time. It's not something that began with Donald Trump. Or Barack Obama, it goes back a lot further than that, at least 40 or 50 years of of a very poisonous political system getting even more poisonous. And uh, as Lincoln pointed out, uh, you know, when all is said and done, the prayers of both sides could not be answered and that of neither side was answered fully. So what he recommended was that we go forward and try to bind the wounds, that we do so with malice toward none and charity towards all. And again, that's very difficult. Uh, it's difficult for the winning side to acknowledge that they are less than pure and to extend charity to the other side. It is difficult for those who lost and who feel that they're hurting, uh, first of all, to even accept the grace that might come. Um, but that's what we need to do. And we need to find leaders and individuals who will begin to apply that in society and culture, because boy, it is you and I have talked so many times. The culture leads, politics lags behind. If we begin to be, behave better and display that attitude of malice toward none and charity towards all, if we can do more of that in our daily life, our political system will eventually catch up. Yeah, it's so important uh, to get to that. We uh, we focused yesterday on some of the farewell addresses. Uh, and uh, I, I just keep going back to this. Uh, Ronald Reagan in his farewell address, is, it's like the third to last paragraph. This is like the last thing uh, a person who held the most high office in all the world for eight years, uh, and he said, I just want to leave you with one lesson, and that, that is everything good that happens in America begins at the kitchen table. 
And and then he went on and uh, he challenged everyone to go back to that. And he, he, he left. The last thing he said was a challenge to the children to say, if your parents are not having discussions with you around the dinner table about what it means to be an American and what these founding principles are, you need to call them out. He said, you need to hold them to it and nail them on it. That would be an American thing to do. And uh, as you were saying, Scott, it is the uh, the culture and the community that will lead us out of this mess. That's right. You know, and boy, when I hear that, that's just, and Ronald Reagan was great at tying back into the roots of American history. Um, there, there was a lot of writing you know, we all talk about the founding era or different things in terms of what great leaders wrote. Uh, but there's a lot of research saying that actually the rhetoric that we learned as being written by Jefferson or Madison really grew up from from the people teaching their kids to read and learning. Uh, women, you know, they didn't have schools like we did today. They were passing on lessons and passing on the stories of their heritage, starting with the English heritage and gradually taking on a more American form. That's the way the culture created what became the American War for Independence and the founding ideals that we have. Um, Sometimes we look at the words of the famous leaders and we forget they were just reflecting the society around them. Uh, Reflecting. Uh, That is the whole uh, kit and caboodle for me, that we got to get back to reflecting uh, those core principles. Uh, Scott Rasmussen, independent pollster, our good friend and tag team partner on our polling here at the Deseret News and the Hinckley Institute of Politics. Uh, Scott, appreciate you joining us today. Thanks, Boyd. Talk soon. All right. Again, that's uh, Scott Rasmussen. Uh, always appreciate Scott's uh, perspective, both from a historic standpoint and also from a community standpoint, uh, which I think is is so vital to us in a lot of these conversations today. Uh, and we're going to continue that conversation. We're going to talk about a question a question that every single leader, elected, business, community, family, should be asking next. Stay with us on KSL News Radio. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America, but the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.